Thinner Logs is a Chicago-based sketch group that writes comedy grounded in shared true, personal stories about our existence as lifelong nerds. We started your stories to give everyone a chance to do what we do, share their own stories, and foster a more heartfelt, welcoming nerd community. Your Stories is about embracing the weird and obscure in your life and asserting your geekdom with a group that gets your references. And, most importantly, Your Stories is a place to bring people up, not to put anyone down. Hey everyone, my name is Eric Garneau, and this is part one of the Nerdalog Presents Your Story September podcast, featuring the theme Best Laid Plans. Why that theme? Well, because this month we're saying goodbye to founding Nerdalog's member Alex Talavera, and he picked it. Uh, Alex is also pulling hosting duties this time out, so you'll hear him a lot more than me during this, and he picked the songs you're going to hear as well. Uh, I know I speak for everyone in the group when I say how much we'll miss Alex, but he sure helped put together a killer last Your Stories for him to participate in. Uh, you might have noticed this episode is dropping a little later than usual this month. There is a reason. Uh, as of this month, the Nerdalogs podcast family has grown. Joining your stories are two new shows, the Nerdalogcast, which is a chat comedy show featuring Nerdalogs members hosted by Chris Geiger, and MBSing, in which Nerdalogger Mary Beth Smith sits down with a guest to dissect and embrace something he or she loves. This is great, great stuff, guys, and all of these shows can be found on the Nerdalogs Facebook page, as well as through sidebar links on each respective podcast homepage. Uh, because of these new shows, we changed up our release schedule a little bit, so as of now, the Nerdalogcast will be hitting the first and third Monday of every month, your stories will take the second and fourth Mondays, and MBSing will be out every Wednesday. So that's at least eight podcasts a month. Uh, so much podcasting goodness, guys. Please check these other shows out. They're all on iTunes as well. Uh, as usual, if you like what you're hearing, you can donate to our respective shows via the PayPal donate button on the sidebar of each of our homepages. I know we all appreciate it. One last plug, our next Your Stories recording is happening this Sunday, September 15th, and the theme is 1993, which, if you didn't know, was 20 years ago. Uh, put on your best flannel and come share whatever 1993 makes you think of. 7 p.m. at the Public House Theater, 3914 North Clark Street in Chicago. As always, Your Stories is free. Thanks for listening, everybody, and enjoy the show. <laughs> Earlier, Alex said that he uh, he chose songs by bands that have guitars, and this song is not that. Yeah. This artist is a harpist and a pianist. She does not play guitar. Uh, she's engaged to Andy Samberg, and uh, of all the songs that you gave me, this was the most trying. Yes! On my eardrums. Yes! She's my girlfriend, except not really. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is a Joanna Newsom song requested specifically by Alex. This particular song, this is called Peach Plum Pear. Yeah! Oh, yeah. Look, you were not 
gave us this, which I feel like you were trying to punk us with this. How was that? Um, was that? I, the note I gave to these guys before we started doing this was, <laughs> just embrace that this is going to sound stupid, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So, uh, here we go. So, that's the note to everyone else. Embrace that this is going First to sound of all, stupid. I want to keep in mind, I really was You're like, outstanding. people with guitars who sing. I know that a harpist chord is not a guitar. There's like barely any guitar in this song. There's guitar enough. Nah. Wow! I feel good. I knew that I would now. I feel good. I knew that I would now. So good. So good. I got you. Sugar and spice. 
so nice, so nice, I got you. Five minutes. Uh, can I say? <laughs> can I say how great it is to be in a situation uh, where your friends actually ask you what fucking like crazy songs they want to play for you live because you're leaving? Uh, it's a it's a very I don't know. I it's unique to say the least. But uh, thank you guys very much. In general, this has just been incredible. Um, so the theme that I picked was best laid plans. Um, in the grand tradition of Nerdalogs, when one of us leaves, uh, we get to kind of decide what the theme is going to be for the Euro stories. Uh, Bill Kenkel, who I did not plan on being here tonight, but showed the fuck up like a goddamn ghost in the wind, uh, and stole all the thunder of this party from me. Uh... But Bill Kenkel is here. But Bill Kenkel, when he when he had to move out to Boston, uh, he chose uh, what I describe as the eminently billish topic of propose a theory. Uh, and there were some really great things that came out of that about time travel and Lex Luthor, and at least one uncomfortable story about grandma fucking. Uh, so you, I believe. No, no, that was that was mine. When when I thought about my theory, I, I really didn't know I, I didn't know what was an allegish theory or anything like that. Everything I've ever felt is kind of personal to me. I've already done a monologue about, um, and the only thing that kept coming up was uh, just talking about plans and and planning and the future. And so, best laid plans is what it came of. And um, so, this is this is basically what I what kept coming back to me. And uh, this is from uh, Robert Burns uh, to a mouse, uh, which is, and this is the line that Steinbeck t- 
took of mice and men's title from, uh, which is the best laid schemes of mice and men gang off a glay. Uh, and if you can work your way through the nonsense Scots language, uh, it's, it just means that the best made plans of mice and men go off to ride. And it's a smart choice for Steinbeck to have used that for the title of his book. Um, it echoes a lot of the themes in the novel, and the poem is its heartbreakingly sad. It's, it's about a guy who, uh, ostensibly, it's an apology to a mouse whose uh, nest Burns has turned up while plowing his field. And he goes out of his way to uh, be sympathetic, not just for destroying the nest, but also for destroying the hard work that the mouse put into the nest. And, and for the harsh truth that this close to winter, there's not enough grass or time uh, for the mouse to build a new one. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a treatise on kind of the way that we live. Uh, and then he's, he sympathizes, but then he goes on to say, But Mousy, thou art no thy lane in proving foresight may be vain. The best laid schemes of mice and men gang oft a glare, and lead us not but grief and pain for promised joy. You get it? Mm-hmm. We're the mice, you guys. <laughs> he, he puts us on equal footing. But the real fucking kicker and the thing that I think I missed when I was younger, and I think that most people miss even when they say best laid plans, is that the final stanza doesn't put man and mouse on equal footing. This is what Burns says. Still, thou art blessed compared with me. The present only toucheth thee. But ugh, I backward cast my e on prospects drear. And forward, though I cannot see, I guess and fear. The fucking mouse has the advantage. It doesn't matter that Burns went up and destroyed this thing's home. The mouse is the winner because it can't regret. And it also can't dread the future. That's the curse of man. And so... When I talk about best laid plans, what we talk about as people is really the suffering that we have because of those plans. Because sometimes they go all fucking pear-shaped and we don't know how to deal with it. And sometimes we have expectations that don't get met and then that hurts us. Steinbeck was smart. I guess he doesn't need my fucking credentials to tell him that. (laughs) But Of Mice of Men isn't about a story of a plan going pear-shaped. It's a story about two dudes, one guy who has a plan and is looking forward to the future, and one guy who can't. Lenny, he fucking knows what he wants, but when shit goes pear-shaped, he can't even see it. Spoiler, Lenny dies. Uh, Also, if you haven't read Of Mice of Men... Fuck you. <laughs> and read a book. Uh, 
But the point is, what Steinbeck is saying is that there's a beauty in that sort of sense of not knowing. There's an we're envious of the mouse. We're envious of being able to shed all that fear and dread. And this is something that I struggle with all the time because uh, I do think about the future and I do look back on my past mistakes. Sometimes I'll be walking down the street and I'll think of some bonehead shit I did and like I'll have a verbal... Like almost Tourette's reaction because I'll just say the thing that's going through my mind because my emotion is so intense about how much I regret that moment. And it's a curse, but that's the curse of sentience and that's the curse of being a human. And so I'm moving forward. Every, every day we're all moving forward, but right now I'm trying to embark on this kind of new chapter and this new thing. And Clearly, I fear and dread, but also I'm trying to be the mouse. I'm trying to let only the present touch me. I'm trying to take every day as what it is, and also trying to have that be a blessing. Um, I am a man, and I'm always going to fear and doubt. But the best lesson that I could take from that is that the best laid (coughs) plans are just that. They are plans. And it's it's the best lived life that is the actual context. And I think 300 years ago, for Burns to have put that together so well while grieving over a mouse, uh, it's noble, but it's also true that like in 300 years, we still haven't fucking got over it. Thanks. Well, that's what I call setting the tone for the night. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Um, so, like I said, a year ago, we said goodbye to Bill Kankel. I think we played some Kinks and some Pixies, and I don't remember what else. It was a fun time. And now Bill's back, and he's going to tell a story. Bill Kankel. Oh, Thank you, Chris. For the podcast, the lights just went out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it has been a while. Um, yeah, about a year ago, I left the nerds to pursue my dreams, um, and it dovetails quite nicely with the theme of the evening of plans going totally tits up. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's It was really fortuitous that I got into improv because I've always been a creature of planning. Except for tonight, where I decided to do this monologue about 15 minutes ago. Um, improv taught me how to like go with the flow. And before that, I had just had everything figured out. Or so I thought. Um, as In undergrad, I got really into brain science. And I pursued... I got fixated on this one question. of like, oh, well, there's this awesome hormone, oxytocin. And, and it like facilitates the mother-infant bond after making uterine contractions to give birth and like, well, it's great, okay, it's cool. (laughs) 
And I read this like crazy paper about this guy. I was like, why are we giving this to so many people? And it's now, you know, in most hospitals and most Americans are born with it and whatever. It affects all of us. Uh, but we don't know what it does. So we are giving this drug to people. Um, and it's probably the biggest experiment ever run. And not to instill fear in everyone. <laughs> but I went, I was like, well, this is really what I want to do. This is really interesting. So I went down to the NIH and I started telling them about it. And they're like, that's stupid. You're stupid. <laughs> I was like, okay, great, cool. All right. Uh, so, but I was still like gung ho about this. And I found um, this, this person who also, appropriate to the evening, works on small rodents who make homes. And we ruined them. <laughs> Uh, and she was really into this idea. You know, she was like, "Yeah, you know, I study oxytocin, and I'm really interested in this idea." So I went and did graduate work with her, and I was like, "You know, this is my plan. This is my career. I have my whole life figured out." And uh, I did grad school. And it went it went fine, and then I went off to Boston, and uh, it went it went pretty well there. Our lab was like fantastic, and we set up nice little rodent homes, and we started exploring this question, and we were seeing like effects, and we were getting significant data, and it was really cool. Um, but we had moved to Boston as uh, working under this company. That she'll remain nameless. And uh, after like six months, they kind of just pulled the rug out from under us. And I was like, okay, so now uh, Plan B is in effect. And um, it was like maybe a week or two ago, uh, I'm moving to Madison with my lovely girlfriend, Danielle. Because yeah. that's a plan that has been working out. Yeah. <laughs> Woo, she's Yeah. <laughs> Um, and it's much easier to be unemployed in Madison than it is in Boston. <laughs> um, and I was feeling like kind of down, like maybe I had made this huge like gamble, this huge bet that like wasn't going to pay off. And like all of my plans were suddenly in question. And, uh, I had wrecked all of those nice little rodents homes for nothing. Um, you know, and maybe, you know, maybe the data wasn't, maybe it wasn't good and maybe the NIH was right and I should feel dumb. Um, and I, was, I had just packed the last of our stuff, and I was heading off in the unknown to sort of, like, go off to Madison and try and find a lab where I could, like, endear myself to, like, hey, I have fancy letters under my name. Like, the American dream told me that I should be okay now. Can I come work for you, please? Uh, and I was feeling very trepidatious about all of this. And then I got an email uh, from my advisor who's saying, you know, look at this paper. And they had done this study in North Carolina, and they showed, you know, the fucking sample size. You guys aren't going to appreciate this, but I love sample size. <laughs> a sample size of 600,000 motherfucking people. And they found, like, oh, yeah, maybe we should be a little more careful about giving drugs out that we don't understand because it's linked to autism. And I was like, aha! I have been saying this for fucking years. This has been my, like, quest that I have championed, and people look at me like I'm crazy. And I might not be right, but it's still, like... Yeah, don't don't change your lives because of this. <laughs> but it was, like, just a little bit of, like, hope that, like, maybe the plan could still work out. And I'm, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, it is, an, it is an honor to have you back. Thank you for sharing. Alex, do you want to do the introduction duties tonight? Sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you have any commentary about Bill? Wait, do you have any commentary about Bill? Oh, yeah. Uh, so one more time, real fast. 
Uh, fuck Bill Kendall for stealing my thunder tonight. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, it, it was like... If you guys are ever planning a surprise party or any kind of surprise anything, uh, y'all are dum-dums, uh, the only way to do it is to just show up when no one knows you're coming, because when Bill walks to the door, that was the craziest shit I've seen in my life. Uh, I'm so happy to have my friend here tonight, and... I'm really happy to be here, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> and also, uh, sorry about the autism, bro. Yeah. All right. Up uh, next! <laughs> Uh, we have a long-time friend of the Neurologues and of your stories, Katie Keenan. So yeah, Alex kind of stole my thunder a little bit because as soon as he was doing a poem, I was like, ooh, literary things. I'm a nerd in that. And then I learned he was doing the poem. So I'm just going to tell a personal story. Uh, <laughs> boring. No. Um, but I'll start off with a reference. Um... I read the entire Hitchhiker's Guide, and they said that yeah. the towel is the most massively useful thing an interstellar hitchhiker can have. At the time, I was like, really? Really? And now I, I tend to agree, and I will reveal why. Um, a couple weeks ago, I went to have dinner with one of my best friends, Allison, who's Alex's wife, in case anyone's not... Uh, Aware. <laughs> so he's married, everybody. Um, and I... Uh, uh, um, quick, fact, quick fact about me. Um, I really hate rain. So whenever I leave the apartment, uh, really every single time I check the weather... Like, it's my job. Um, if it is 30% or above, I bring an extra umbrella. By extra, I mean an additional umbrella to the one that I already always bring with me. <laughs> um, I really... This is so much I hate rain. Um, I, oh, Charlie Madsen last month said, you know, you guys seem really cool. Um, everybody seems pretty type B. I almost wanted to raise my hand and be like, excuse me, I'm not. Sorry. I'm <laughs> type A, decidedly. Um, so in, but in my exuberance for this particular dinner, I, I didn't want to be too late. And I, I left without even my backup umbrella. Um, so that being said, you know where it rains a lot is uh, Washington State. Um, I looked it up, and it's the highest precipitation in the continental U.S., um, not, in counting, not including uh, Hawaii and uh, Alaska, because, I mean, who does? <laughs> Another knock to Charlie. <laughs> um, and my sister is actually moving there, as I found out recently. Um, a little bit about my sister. She has a quality that is particularly impressive considering she came from the same family as me and that is that she's emotionally stable. <laughs> she she and Alex are probably two of the most even-tempered people that I know. Like he he gets he gets mad but I I'm never I never feel like I'm never worried that it'll get to a scary point. I don't know personally. Um, but yeah, she, she's amazing. She's a powerhouse. She is intelligent. She's hilarious. Um, she's a bigger feminist than me, I'd argue. She's independent. She, um, in, she went to UNC Asheville. She did wilderness training. She became a leader. She's certified in wilderness medicine. Um, I try to stay away from wilderness whenever possible. Um, she, 
she she was a bio major, but she's an amazing artistic person. She's an amazing painter. Um, she's a violinist, and she plays with the Blue Ridge Orchestra there. Um, her career choices have included FBI, EMT, and now she wants to be a pilot. So she's fucking amazing, but she's in love with an idiot. <laughs> um, so here's the quick rundown of their relationship. Um, they've been together a year and a half. She's been supporting him for at least a year, rent-wise, utilities-wise, food-wise. Um, she's been going to school, so it's been off of her student loans, which she'll have to pay for the rest of her fucking life. Um, and also supplemented from my mother's wallet. And it's like, you can take Aaron's money as much as you want. You start taking from my mom's wallet, you're fucking with me, bro. Like, that is my inheritance you're taking? Um, <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> so, um, that aside, this guy has been fired four times Ooh. in the last year. Four. They've all been his fault. I actually had to update this since three weeks ago when I actually wrote this. It was an additional time. <laughs> um, he is also possessive to an crazy degree um he doesn't like it when she hangs out with anyone who has a penis if she's ever hanging out with male friends he's always texting her trying to also hang out with them and after a while she's become passive about it because she loves him um he is a oh over thanksgiving he came to stay with us he came out to be a conspiracy theorist and a libertarian and I was like, okay, um, you're living off of food stamps. Where do you think they come from? Magical, privately funded fairies? <laughs> I think there's a contradiction there. Um, she, oh, so the best thing is that Erin uh, graduated this year from college. Arguably one of the most important times of a young person's life. Um, me and my family were there. We expected Matt to be there. We called him like 10 times. He didn't show up. He never came. Um, and we found out that he got drunk. <laughs> okay. Um, then we had lunch. He seemed fine. And I was like, okay. Turns out he didn't want to hang out with our mom. All right. I don't want to hang out with her either, but I have to. <laughs> so that's expected of you too, dude. Um, and that night he was expected to be the DD for my sister on her special day. Um, he decided he got a headache and threw the keys at her and stormed out of the bar. He made her cry on her graduation day. Then later in the year, he decided he wanted to move to Washington after he got two jobs, miraculously. Um, and he told her this, you know, in a restaurant. And uh, when she responded like a practical human being and was like, um, so how are you planning to do that? We don't really have enough money to be moving. He was like, you're too practical and stormed out. <laughs> so the the things that this guy is doing to her just really makes me angry. Um, so he's bringing her to Washington. Um, and so back quickly back to the dinner. Um, so, so we have a lovely dinner. It starts to rain, of course. It starts pouring. It is raining so hard. I'm making any excuse to try to stay at this dinner. I'm like, Allison, you want another drink or anything? Are you sure? Okay. Uh, no, she's good. Um, and so I had to, no, all right. So um, I'm like, well, the best way to get home is to walk. So I just fucking walked through the rain. And it, you feel like 
this probably hasn't happened to me in a very long time that I was actually like, just fuck it. I'm just going to walk through the rain. I'm not trying to run or avoid it or anything. Um, I got soaked. I just kept smiling the whole way, and uh, I just felt like a crazy person. I just started kind of laughing. So I was just like, I'm just this fuck, man. I've got, I'm totally, uh, I got totally wet. Yeah. Um, this, is the, <laughs> this is the, uh, yeah, you know, the last time I can remember that I got completely soaked from rain was at Governor's School in North Carolina. This was 10 years ago. Um, and I just remember I was so ready and open to life and all the possibilities it had for me and all the shit that it was going to throw at me. And no matter how many umbrellas you have on you, I guess sometimes you're just going to get wet. Um, my sister is going to get rained on. She's going to get rained on really hard. Um, when I came home, I'd use a, uh, a towel to dry myself off. I realized it's true use. Um She's going to get rained on literally and figuratively. And when she's done with that, I'll be waiting for her with a towel. Um, the rain's out there. You can't stop it. Um, so quickly, I wanted to um, mention to Alex and Allison, you know, as someone that's had to start over and has moved to a bunch of different places, it's going to be hard. The first year is going to be really hard, but you guys have already bested the rest of us and are great people already and have found each other and have married each other. And um, so, yeah, it's it's going to rain, but there are people here that have towels for you whenever you need it. I don't think that Allison and I have ever been in any sort of situation where we haven't had you guys' towels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, it, it, Katie's right. The rain comes all the time. Uh, life is unpredictable at the very least. And if there's anything that Allison and I are apprehensive about, it's that we're leaving this towel rich environment. <laughs> Yeah, to the fucking arid, arid high desert of Denver. Uh, and and that said, we will have to dry our tears on sandstone rocks. Uh, but until then, uh, let's let's have our next guy up. Uh, this is a regular Your Stories guy, uh, Sawyer Happies. Cool, cool. I'm going to move this over. This is awkward because I was going to talk about Batman and it doesn't feel nearly as yeah, emotional. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it is, I'd honestly say, yeah, I'd honestly say it's probably been, uh, I mean, maybe, I guess maybe about a year that I've been doing your story somewhere in there. And I have yet to talk about a subject clearly on Facebook you can tell I'm obsessed with, and that is Batman. Uh, because my best laid plan was to somewhat, someday become Batman. <laughs> um, yeah. 
I, you know, as a Catholic, you know, I, I do ask what would Jesus do, but a lot more times I ask what would Batman do because he kind of seemed to have stuff figured out. Uh, but and, <laughs> well, Jesus got stuff figured out too. But Batman can't walk on water, as we all know. Uh, <laughs> well, yet. Um, anywho, I digress. Uh, but. You know, it was funny because, like, as a young age, I remember watching uh, Batman the Animated Series, like, every afternoon, man. That was, like, my triumvirate of superhero comic shows. It was that one, X-Men, and uh, Spider-Man. Um, and I just remember Batman has it just so figured out all the time. Everyone jokes that his, his power is wealth, and that's actually not true. It helps, but it's not his main superpower. And what people forget, um, and that I had to remind someone of... On uh, discussion a little while ago with the new um, Batman Beyond comics, um, Kyle Higgins is writing it, and he's like, I want to bring the detest- detective aspect to Batman Beyond. And a lot of people are like, I don't care. Who cares about all that stuff? It's like, I care because that's what Batman does. He is the world's greatest detective. Benedict Cumberbatch ain't got shit on Batman. What? Uh, yeah. Anywho, uh, um, but you know, and and as I go through daily life, and there's a lot of times I've even gotten in arguments. People like you're not going to be Batman. I'm like maybe it will be Batman. You don't know. Uh, And one thing that they pointed out is that that I couldn't earn a billion dollars. And I said I'll just write like the next Harry Potter or something. Then I'll become Batman. That's just the way it works. Um, And so I, you know, find myself constantly comparing myself to ways that I am and am not like Batman. Uh, For one, I don't think I could undergo the amount of martial arts training it requires to become Batman. Though I have been doing the Friendship Dragons Muay Thai class, which I wholly recommend. Uh, And we meet like once a month, which is close to Batman's regiment. Um, Another thing is, my parents are alive. So... Uh, that's something to consider. Uh, how driven am I to justice? And I won't know if, until we walk down Crime Alley after watching Zorro, so I don't know what to say there. Uh, but, and it, the one other frustrating thing is, especially happened during um, college, I found myself taking on way more things than I needed to. Um, I became, for one, vice president of our theater honors fraternity. And you didn't think that'd be a big deal. You're like, it's honors fraternity, who cares? You've never dealt with so much self-entitled actors in one building as I have, and I found myself utterly exhausted and crying. And Batman doesn't cry, <laughs> unless he gets, like, a letter from his dad. Ah, uh, spoilers. Um, and it's just like, I'm okay with not becoming Batman. You know what I mean? It's like, it's something I have to accept. One, there's no supervillains, so I think things are okay. Chicago's crime rate could probably be, afford- or be reduced a little bit, but I don't think I'm the one to lead that charge. And I tell myself that it's okay that I'm not Batman, and that very likely I probably won't ever be. At least not with that the attitude. Uh, <laughs> But yet somehow I try. I try really hard to map everything out and plan for stuff and relax. And the one thing that I'm glad that I'm not like Batman and that I used to do is I don't brood when things fall apart. Uh, I think it was the Flash that made the joke about him. It's like, we didn't bother you because you were in one of those brood periods, and we're not really sure how long those take. And it's nice to know that I am human and that no one would ever expect me to be to Batman's standards anyways. And so that way, when I fail and things fall apart, I'm okay with it because life goes on. All right. Thank you, guys.
for anyone in the audience who actually does think they will be Batman, let's go ahead and put that shit to bed right now. Uh, yeah, for all the reasons Sawyer said, and no, none of y'all. Um, well, let's talk about who's the closest during the break. <laughs> we'll talk. <laughs> but uh, yes, you're you're right. Uh, sometimes you gotta put that shit to bed and just, yeah. just say uh, Up next, guys. I don't even know if you've done any of your stories before. Are you looking at me or that guy's shoulder? I'm looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, that guy's shoulder has also not done any of your stories. But I, I believe for the first time ever, guys, please give it up for uh, Sabrina Pratt. A very good friend of mine. Well, thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. Um, I told Allison before we got started I felt nervous because storytelling, while I love to do it, is so vulnerable, and it makes me nervous in a way that being on stage does not normally, because normally I'm on stage with a character, and you don't actually see me, um, but I'm here to share me. And um, I think it's interesting I was not originally planning to tell a story, and then I saw that the theme was best laid plans, and I thought, normally when you hear that, you think, oh, those plans have gone awry. Exactly, I thought someone ran over the mouse's home. Um, things aren't going the way I thought they would. That's depressing. And I thought, what we're not celebrating is the fact that the plans got laid. <laughs> <laughs> Go, go, go plans. <laughs> and then I, I thought it was funny when um, Chris stood up and he said that, you know, here we tell stories of growing up and growing up nerds. And I thought, well, nerds are human. Humans are always growing. You're growing until you stop growing. And the day you stop growing, you're the person you are. And... I thought, I'm not quite the person that I'll always be, and I hope I never am. And to grow means that things will not go as planned at all. So I'd like to quickly tell a story of something that happened the other day and something that started five years ago. Um, I actually see a lot of familiar faces in the room, and I know I took improv class with Bill and Alex, and I performed with Katie and Allison. I'm very happy to be here um, in this room with so many people I've grown with um, because I celebrated my five years in Chicago just a couple of weeks ago, um, which was exciting. You know, it's kind of a landmark. Yeah, thanks. It's been a really fun adventure. And I say it's been an adventure because I moved from North Carolina. I remember shoving, like, the last of my badly, poorly packed stuff in a U-Haul, and then saying to everyone, like, goodbye, I'm going to move to the city and get out of the South and have an adventure. And at the time, I thought, I'm going to give myself about five years, and then I'll be 30. So I'm going to be selfish for about five years. So, you know, have this adventure. And I had no specific goals or anything particularly that I thought would happen. I was just like, let me just go up there and sort of blow around in the wind and just see where I land. That was kind of, I mean, I literally, I have made the metaphor. I took my 
my hand of cards and I just threw them in the air and I was going to see what landed face up or whatever. So anyways, I had this strange feeling where I was like, oh man, I've been here five years. I sort of had an adult tantrum the other night <laughs> where I was like, I've been here five years, I've got to get out of here, it's my deadline, right? Like, what have I done? Um, and I realize it's difficult to see how you've grown and how you've changed when you're still doing it. I mean, the caterpillar doesn't fly while it's still stuck in the cocoon. And I wonder, you know, the caterpillar doesn't even think while it's in there. It's a caterpillar. <laughs> but <laughs> doesn't even think about that. Yeah, we just read all the, we read all this weird stuff into it. So any hoozy, having this giant adult tantrum. <laughs> And I'm like breaking out and we're like apartment hunting and I'm about to sign this new lease with my tall, handsome partner. And I'm like, oh, you know, I haven't done what I came here to do. And he's like, well, what did you come here to do? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> become, become a different person, which I have done. It has happened in ways I didn't expect, but I also consciously moved here not expecting anything, you know, and I was like, you know, freaking out and crying and just stomping my foot in the biggest way. And I looked at him and I thought, I, I thought and said, I thought out loud, it's so funny, our world, we, we're on this giant rock, which is mostly a molten nickel core, right? I mean, you've all seen the model, chopped in half. <laughs> so I thought we're on this thing, and against all odds... Something happened, like water happened, right? Or something. Where did that come from? All of a sudden, nothing was something, right? And here we are, somewhere. Something crawled out of the planet. Something happened, you know? And I was, like, saying this to him, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, you know, we're standing in our living room. We can talk to each other. We're humans. We get so frustrated you get frustrated when you pay your taxes. You get irritated when you get a parking ticket. But I think at any moment, a couple of rocks could hit our planet and knock it off its axis, and that be that. I mean, we wouldn't even have time to be like, goodbye, or, you know. <laughs> there wouldn't be anything. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> there you go. So that's 15 years of movement training, and you knew what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, um, you know, so he's like, well, go take a shower, calm down. <laughs> so I was like, that's, that's a good partner for you. So I you know, took a hot shower, and then I usually brush my teeth while I'm in the shower because I'm efficient in that way. So I, and I get, <laughs> I think he just got the plans got laid joke, but... So I, um, but our, our sink is like two feet away from our shower, so I'm still like kind of crying and upset, and I could hear Nate in the kitchen plunking around, and he always fusses at me when I reach out of the shower for my toothbrush, because he says you're going to fall, just, if you're going to brush your teeth, take it in the shower, if you're not, then just naked brush your teeth after you shower, 
But I thought I could hear him in the kitchen. I was like, he'll never know. <laughs> so I like reached for the toothbrush, and then I was just like going down. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, anyway, I'm obviously fine, but um, I do I did get a little bumpy on my leg. But as I was going down, you know, I'm like grabbing the shower curtain, and like the bar came down and everything. <laughs> I was just so uh, vulnerable. And I yelled, I yelled, maybe on the way down, maybe after I nakedly hit the floor wrapped up in the shower curtain like a little sad burrito. <laughs> I don't know. But I just yelled, I just yelled, today's the day it happened. <laughs> and then, you know. And then I thought that's absolutely perfect because today's the day, whatever happened, it happened today. And today's the day it happened. And just, you know, here you are. Here you are. Uh, Give it up to Sabrina for slamming a dude. For a joke that he just kind of liked a little bit. <laughs> no, that was actually really excellent. I, uh, I, I, I wish I had something more intelligent to say about that, but yeah, that's awesome. Um, it's uh, not that easy, is it? No, no, no. It was, it was a lot of fun for her to slam Drew for no reason. So that was like, that's Dwight. Oh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Up next, Nerdalogs member Andrew Bentley. Uh, hello, I'm Andrew Bentley, and reasonably speaking. I am about 60% likely to eventually die of misadventure. (laughs) You see, I grew up in northern Virginia, in the D.C. area, straddling the Mason-Dixon line like a befuddled colossus, uh, alternately (laughs) drawing upon my southern and northern heritage as best fit my needs at the time. Uh, Growing up this way, I've been bequeathed a pair of very specific qualities, and it's only a matter of time before... I accidentally pulled the trigger on the gun my upcoming or my upbringing built against my temple. You see, as a southerner, uh, I'm possessed of a dauntless curiosity, uh, a love for the, the daring exploration of life's enigmas, like, I wonder what this does, and is this turned on, and how much of this can I drink before I vomit? <laughs> uh, that proclivity in and of itself would be dangerous enough, uh, but I'm also a child of the Beltway, and so was inculcated from an early age with the steadfast conviction, nay, principle, that I am correct, and everything I do is absolutely a fantastic idea, no matter what anyone says. It's a confidence in one's own judgment that borders on rejection of mortality. Uh, DC just just does this to a person. Something in the air recodes your brain to interpret self-doubt as something less problematic, like horniness, so you can crank one out and get on with your very important day worry-free. There there are are countless examples. Uh, I'm reasonably sure at at some point uh, in, you know, history, the following exchange took place, you know, 
Gosh, Haldeman, should we be worried about the new Oval Office recording machine? Fuck you, Ehrlichman, I know what I'm doing. It's a Watergate joke. <laughs> right on the pulse. <laughs> So, you see, uh, I'm fighting against two centuries and two virulent strains of vicious American tradition. You have to view my actions through those red and blue lenses. Uh, indomitable curiosity and an almost transhumanist self-certainty for them to make any sense. And if it gets harder to overcome with every year, despite the number of bad decisions I've made with regards to my safety, I've never had so much as an extended hospital stay or cracked bone. So in addition to everything else, I'm struggling against 26 years of positive reinforcement. <laughs> Maybe if something bad had happened as a kid jumping off my roof while my parents weren't home, uh, I wouldn't take such pride in asserting my pedestrian right-of-way by marching obstinately out into the crosswalk in front of traffic. Uh, because screw them, the walk light's on, and I've got groceries to buy. <laughs> Even when no one's around, uh, I have to, to prove to myself that I'm right. It's a sickness. It's the, the sort of thing that sinks ocean liners or, or kills supporting characters while the movie stars are yelling, Damn it, Frank, you're out of time! Get out of there! <laughs> Maybe you still don't understand what I'm talking about. A few months back, uh, I came home, and my apartment smelled suspiciously like gas. It's always smelled a little bit like gas. That's part of its charm, and uh, probably... <laughs> Probably the reason why I can defrost chicken by just leaving it on top of my oven for ten minutes. Uh, but this day, it smelled particularly like gas. Uh, enough for me to question my landlord, who assured me it was because they had been refinishing the apartment below me, uh, and that it would go away soon. Enter that second great southern quality, not wanting to make a fuss. Um, <laughs> I returned to my foul-smelling apartment, but I couldn't let it go. The landlord had said it was safe, but he had also said he'd check the camera footage and find out who stole my UPS package. So, uh, a gas leak is no laughing matter. It could be dangerous. I had to do something. I had to be sure. So, I sniffed inside my oven. You know, I, it sure smelled like gas in there, but that could just be business as usual. Uh, so... What could I do? Leave and come back when the smell was supposed to have dispersed? Ask my landlord to come smell for himself? Call the gas company? I considered all these things, and then I wrapped myself in a fire blanket and turned the stove on. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know either. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm smarter than that, but I had to be sure. Let's go, let's go back to the cars for a second. Chicago has recently been pushing an ad campaign informing pedestrians that 3,000 people a year are hit by traffic here. Wow. Uh, that means that every year, one in 900 people here are hit by vehicles without necessarily running into the street as a fuck you to people who can afford cars. <laughs> okay, sure, maybe a lot of those are tourists. Uh, or maybe it's the same 50 people getting bullseyed over and over again and some sort of mean-spirited cosmic game of darts. Still, though, the apparent odds on vehicular pummeling are pretty high. Way higher than something like a, a lightning strike or even being shot. Uh, you know what's even higher? Cancer. Yeah. 26,000 people a year get cancer in Cook County. Just in Cook County. A year. 
My great aunt had it. My grandmother, my grandfather. My dad's had skin cancers removed with some regularity for the last 15 years. Uh, if he stands in front of the window on a sunny day, you can see the light shining through his earlobe, but they took the back of it off. Uh, <laughs> I like to blow things up. I like to burn things down. I like to play with knives. I've sprayed pesticides and overdosed on DXM and once came so close to getting struck by lightning that the EMP fried my iPod. Uh, I drink too much coffee and I eat too much bacon and I usually forget to wash my fruit. (laughs) And, And I'm too smart to believe in predestination. But I also can't quite believe in an ordered universe when I can do so many stupid things and live, and a sinkhole can swallow up a kid in Florida who's only playing in his backyard. Sometimes, when I drink too much coffee, I'll start thinking about all the horrible things that could happen to me. The mutilations and maimings and illnesses and unforeseen specters of violent death plucking at my shirt sleeves with their skeletal hands. But for all the graphic imagery I conjure up, it never stays with me long. Because I turned 26 this month, and really, honestly, I never thought I'd live this long. I shouldn't be okay with this. I really shouldn't. But, and as my life gets better, it should become more and more dear to me. But, instead, maybe I take it more and more for granted. Now, I was, I was late here today... Uh, because I couldn't write an ending for this. Um, and <laughs> maybe I'm fooling myself uh, because of the, the pressure, but I decided, fuck it, that's a good enough metaphor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the... <laughs> Sorry to slip this one in. <laughs> we can only control so much of our life. Uh, We can only write so much of it. And the only people who get to write the ending are suicides. So, maybe I should have a problem with the fact that I take risks. Stupid, unnecessary, dumb risks. Maybe it's it's bad that, you know, sometimes I, I have a habit of treating life like it's not a real thing. Like it's just... I can do this, and sure, whatever will happen. But, I can tell you this. A year ago, I had a plan. Four years ago, I had a plan. Five years ago, ten years ago, as long as I can remember, I've had a plan. A big plan for what I'm going to do with my life, what I'm going to do with the near future. Today, I sit in front of you without a plan. I don't know where I'm going to be a year from now. I also am probably happier with myself right now than I have been at any time in my life. I don't know if those two things are related. But what I can say is this. Uh, Even if I get hit by a car or fall down in the shower and bust my head open uh, and die like that, even if I go off in the mo- if I blow myself up in my kitchen because I think a fire blanket is going to protect that. Uh, (laughs) If any of those embarrassing, dumb, preventable things is the thing that does me in, well, I will still have this monologue here on recording on the internet 
serving as just a wonderful piece of irony. <laughs> and as a comedian, what else can I ask for? I want to thank Andrew Bentley uh, for telling a story that reminds us all that sometimes handsome Madonnases don't have to try as hard. Close your eyes. Lies, lies. Every time you 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 close your eyes. Lies, lies.
This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.